0: What's up, this is Jason, and you're listening to the Kingdom Core Podcast. Hey
1: everyone, welcome back to the Kingdom Core Podcast. This was such a fun, special episode. We chatted with Jason Wisdom, uh, currently of Death Therapy, X Becoming the Archetype, and some other projects. This is probably the most hilarious episode we've done yet and really can't wait for you guys to watch and or listen to it. Uh, We talk to Jason about the band's recent new release album, Melancholy Machines, and the switch from Solid State over to Tooth and Nail. We kind of get into his history of coming up in the scene uh, with his old band Becoming the Archetype, and we also talk about kind of what makes a Christian band, why or why not use the label Christian for this band or that band. It's a really good, interesting conversation. We hope you guys get a lot out of it. We had some technical difficulties throughout. You'll probably hear, I left some segments in because it's literally just the funniest thing to me anyways, <laughs> listening back, we're, we're laughing throughout the whole thing. Um, so pardon those, <laughs> those little hiccups, but uh, hopefully you guys get some laughs out of that. Just before we hop in, Whatever platform you guys are listening on, it would be awesome if you would hit that like button, uh, share, rate. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes if you're most of our listeners are on Apple. Because that that really helps people discover the podcast. But hey, if you guys want to leave something less, you know. We've actually really enjoyed reading those reviews. There's been a lot of funny ones. Also, if you want the episodes 24 hours early and part of our exclusive Facebook group, you guys can head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast, And uh, our links will be in the show notes and or the description of the video. Yes, there is a video version, and you might want to watch this one. Um, It would be so awesome to have you guys over on our Patreon. Uh, It's a great way to support the podcast, help us keep getting better at what we're doing and uh yeah every every dollar that you guys donate will go towards making this podcast better in some way but yeah with all that being said thank you for being here let's
2: hop into
1: this episode
2: so jason thank you so much for being with us today how you doing man i'm doing awesome doing how about awesome. you yeah doing all right yeah uh rough game for the braves last night
0: we're just gonna go right in with that huh yeah, we're going to go right in with that. <laughs> I'm just gonna, i just I guess folks on the West Coast are a little salty, so they have to bring up the Braves getting Hey, no, 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 Astros. no.
2: I am, a, I am an Angels fan. I am on your side. I hate the Astros. Oh.
0: Okay, good. Good to hear. We're not going to talk about the Braves until the victory is sealed. I was, dude,
2: I was rooting last night. I was watching the game. I'm like, please win so we can talk about this tomorrow night. I wanted (laughs) to
0: so badly. (laughs) It's been 20-something years. I just, I think every Braves fan right now is preparing their mind to be like, well, you know, it was a good season, and I'm glad we made it to the World (laughs) Series. Like, everyone's, like, lowering their expectations. Just, anyway.
1: Yeah, as a Vancouver Canucks fan, I know the feeling. Mm. It it has been awful for
0: many, many years. Yeah, we all just have terrible sports teams. The problem problem with Atlanta teams from the state of Georgia is that they're not awful. They're just not quite good enough to make it all the way. So Mm. anyway, the Georgia Bulldogs are number one in NCAA football right now. Uh, that's, that's cool. surely going to end soon. Who is, uh, do you have like a, do you have like a medieval knife that lives with you? Or is that silverware clanking around? <laughs> my wife's cooking
2: dinner, putting away dishes. And I couldn't tell. <laughs> <It> was, that <laughs> sounded like, like there was the like that. jousting oh or gosh. something
0: in the background. Uh,
2: Chris can, Chris can edit that out.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to mute him. Mm. I'll
0: <laughs> leave awesome. all that
2: first audio in there so that we can leave that part
0: sweet Uh, that's great
2: so um in all seriousness thank you so much for joining us um we're excited to have you on um you're beloved in the christian metal scene you're uh kind of thought of i think you are i don't know (laughs) okay cool people always uh People always laugh, react your comments on in Facebook groups. So I assume mm, so.
0: <laughs> that's the ju- that's the way we judge success. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> How many lots laugh, of people laugh at Christian this guy. Hardcore group. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm waiting for the like Christian heavy metal comedy tour, and then I'll be I'll finally be where I need to be in the scene.
2: There that you go. Is that going to be your next project?
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Death Therapy,
2: you guys uh, just dropped a, um, n- or not just, it was actually quite a bit ago. Back in May, you dropped your third uh, full-length Melancholy yep. Machines on Tooth & Nail Records, correct?
0: Correct. Switched correct. from Solid Sweet. State solid state over to Tooth & Nail for that one.
2: Perfect. I was just going to ask about that. What, How did the switch go about? Was that your decision? Was that the label? Uh, yeah, just talk us through that.
0: Yeah, I mean, basically they are, you know, they're all connected, Tooth and Nail, Solid State, one label really, um, just two different sides of the same coin. Everything I've done over the past 20 years has been with Solid State, but I turned in this album and they were kind of like, well, this is a little bit more of like an alternative rock record. Maybe we should put it out on the alternative rock record label that we have rather than the metalcore label that we have. Because for the first two albums, Death Therapy sort of tried to fit in with the solid state thing and uh it just didn't really stick i'm not saying there weren't some people who grabbed onto it but uh but yeah so it's so far so good with the tooth and nail thing
1: what what kind of made you go that direction like a slightly softer
0: side of the band uh that is the million dollar question but I think it's mainly just the fact that I'm just really old and tired now. <laughs> <laughs> and no, so I just want some music that's a little more chill. No, no, honestly, um, with death therapy, I've always treated it sort of as more of an experiment. And um, it's been a lot of fun to just kind of do whatever. So at the beginning of the COVID pandemic, I released an EP of like video game instrumental music.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: that was, I was- That was totally different, but it was just like, well, I want to do this. So with the new record, the Melancholy Machines record, it was like, well, maybe I can challenge myself to do some more clean vocals, some more like like rock sounding bass rather than if somebody goes and listens to the first two records, they'll notice that it kind of sounds like a guitar. Like I almost I almost trick you a little bit with the uh, effect that's on the bass. It's it isn't a guitar, it's a by the way, distortion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, but it's also it's got a, like an octave effect. So like it, mm. it sounds kind of like a guitar and we put it through a guitar amp on the first two records. But on the new record, we were just like, why don't we just make it sound like a really big bass and see if it turns out cool. So all those things kind of went together and Melancholy Machines came out of it.
1: So, yeah, it was it was definitely a different uh, record. It kind of caught me off guard because Tension was the first single you dropped, right?
0: Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that decision, but uh, if, anyone <laughs> thinks, if anyone from the record label is listening to this, uh, that was the best decision. But <laughs> I, uh, I maintain to this day that like part of my problem as a artist is that I just I do stuff that about like twenty percent of people think is cool, and the other eighty percent think is weird. <laughs> and they they decided to put out the weirdest song from the record first and i was like well okay so i was fully expecting the whole album to sound like that after i'm like yeah same death therapy (laughs) well that is one mistake that you can't make with i i saw somebody the other day i can't remember who it was on twitter and he said something he tweeted um if you if you recognize this tweet let's not say who it was but um because when i said i don't remember i'm lying I know who it was. I just can't tell you. Um, <laughs> they said, I really love when a band puts out a record where every song sounds the same. I'm not joking. That's what they said. And they weren't being sarcastic. And um, a bunch of people were like, dude, I don't know. And then other people were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I love an insert band that I'm not going to mention either. Cause I don't want those bands to hate me, but um, <laughs> here's, here's my, here's my, here's my point. Here's my point. I don't, do music like that i don't like music like that i like an album to take me on sort of a sonic journey that -hmm. goes all over the place so yep my next record is going to be like safari noises and uh, (laughs) hip-hop hip-hop break beats
1: yeah like i think as different as the songs were on this album like it's very eclectic in a way but It Mm -hmm. has, like a proper band, like a proper album should, it still sounds like you, like throughout, maybe with like a little spice here and there, but at least it sounds, I think it sounds cohesive, which.
2: Oh yeah, a hundred percent. You were going for full sound. You didn't really stray from it throughout the whole thing. And I really like that because when I listened to it the first time and I got to the final track and it ended, I did feel like, oh, great. Like I was taking on another, another, uh, another one of Jason Wisdom's stories, which was great. I love it.
0: Awesome. Well, that's the pitch for the album. If anybody hasn't checked it out, hopefully uh, they'll do it because of that. It's a journey. It goes from sort of like grungy, heavy, Rock at the beginning to sort of like melancholy indie, dark but hopeful at the end and mm-hmm, there's all kinds mm-hmm. of weird stuff in between, including saxophones, solos and
2: <laughs> I love it. There is nothing better than unexpected saxophone in music. Especially like in the rock and the metal genre. I just absolutely adore it when they take a creative chance and they throw in a saxophone.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's my new punk band, Unexpected Saxophone. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a great name. Yeah. Who who did the saxophone for you? Uh, a guy named Chris Bowman, who's a friend and a producer in uh, Atlanta. He does a lot of cool stuff. So
2: that's cool. He's a great. And so he, uh, he's a great
0: sax player. As a matter of fact, that's great. as a matter of fact, he uh he was super confused because if someone goes and listens to that, say we're spending all of our time talking about that song that I wish we could all forget. Um, but (laughs) if someone goes and listens to the song tension, which is on the record, um, the saxophone, there's some parts that are really, really awesome. Uh, I mean, it's all awesome, but there's some parts that sound really like musically, like cohesive. There's other parts that are intentionally like cacophonous and like chaotic sounding on the saxophone. And when the producer, Nate Washburn, uh, who I've been working with brought him in, he told him to play all these like. He's like, play bad on purpose. And and Chris was like, I don't, I don't, this is not why I got a degree in saxophone, so that you could bring me in and tell me to play badly. But I think it turned out really cool. So, yeah, that's sweet. And so, circling back to, um, so
2: you had that sort of instrumental, like game, uh, video game style EP, and then you had this record. This was. Originally supposed to be an EP, right? If I, if my memory uh, serves me correct.
0: Yeah. When I thought that COVID, the COVID uh, lockdowns and situation was going to last for about a week or two, I planned on knocking out a couple EPs. And, um, as the, as it became more like a two year thing, um, I had more songs. I had more ideas. Um, I, you know, the, the Start EP, the band. I, yeah, the the EP that I did in <laughs> the EP that I did in 2020 was actually self-released. The first thing I've done self-released. Um Okay. So, it didn't come out through Solid State. And then I sort of approached the record label um crawling on my knees begging for them to take me back and <laughs> that's when they said they said, "No, nah, get out of here. Go to Tooth and Nail." And that's <laughs> not the real story, but anyway,
2: yeah. So um what sort of uh what sort of lyrical themes or inspiration did you have for Melancholy Machines? Take us through like what's the story behind it.
0: Sadly hmm. Not. Yeah, sad robots, <laughs> Melancholy Machines. Um <laughs> you know, I've kind of always uh, I've kind of approached death therapy the opposite of the way that I approached music for the first 15 years of my career, which is In the past with Becoming the Archetype, which is my former band, I wrote more thematic, like story-driven or like end-of-the-world apocalyptic angels and demons battling sorts of lyrics. They were very, like, meticulously thought out and spent lots of time digging through the thesaurus, right, (laughs) Um, to come up with the the coolest-sounding stuff and make people think I was really smart. And with Death Therapy i basically said let's not do that at all i just want to write the music and i'm not going to overthink the music and then i'm going to just see what lyrics happen uh what kind of comes out of my brain uh stream of consciousness style um so the the themes for death therapy almost across the board have been very like personal struggles and anxieties and depressions and um a lot of it in a way that doesn't necessarily get resolved but that's part of why the journey is important i think if people listen all the way from the like the beginning to the end uh it sort of resolves itself in the end but some of the songs are just very dark um and some of the songs also this is the case on the last couple death therapy records too some of the lyrics are like what's the term i'm looking for like Like split personality, that's what I was looking for. Split personality is what I mean. Like I'll be talking, one voice is telling me everything is terrible. And then sort of like another voice is telling me there's hope. Mm. And uh, that's something that I've just, I I haven't even set out to do that on purpose. But yeah.
2: Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. So with melancholy machines, what does that phrase specifically mean?
0: Nothing, man. It just sounds awesome is that oh sorry no I i mean it it uh i i first of all it sounds awesome second of all it um i think that there is a there is an underlying reality that a lot of christians especially in like very top level famous like mega church christians like health and wealth type christianity um doesn't seem to understand, which is that life is tragic and life is hard. And Jesus was the man of sorrows and Mm -hmm. it like, there's like, we are. So in that way, it's sort of like we are designed or we are programmed, uh, by sin and by a fallen world and by our nature and perhaps what God intended for our soul building, um, here on this planet during this time, you know, all those sorts of things. Um, I don't think it's wrong for us as Christians to embrace the fact that like it's not all rainbows and unicorn farts. <laughs> that's what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely cool. Um, Cause I, I definitely agree. You see that a lot where just sometimes there's people who just don't get it, that life is hard. Mm-hmm. Their life can be sad and, and there's just so much that we go through but like obviously we have jesus to kind of yeah keep well I our mean, eyes on and guide us so, through life
0: so it's a i think it's a maturity thing i mean everything in life there's well like even if we're not talking about spiritual stuff i mean i think mm-hmm. we find we find out that as like when we're really young everything's super like cut and dry and black and white everything's really easy to understand right um you don't touch mm-hmm. the stove because it's hot you don't do this you don't do that like or you do this but as you get older and more mature, you start to realize like sometimes two things are true at the same time that are really hard to reconcile with one another, but holding the two of them in tension is actually what makes you a mature person. And, Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of people, it's really, it's really disheartening, but at the same time, most of the people who walk away from the Christian faith or develop sort of like big personalities and become famous as Christians do so when they're like, in their twenties, so like, how mature are you in your twenties? um I mean, some people I guess might be pretty mature, but like, let's just say that at not me. Fort, <laughs> like, I just I just say like, let's just say that at at fourteen you started taking your Christian faith seriously. Maybe even if you grew up in church your whole life, I mean, how mature are you going to be after like five or six years of you know what I'm saying? What I'm trying to get at is like right a lot of people a lot of people i think never learn to hold these things in tension the fact that life is tragic life is str- like a struggle and there's suffering and we die and a lot of things suck and we have hope and christ understands and he has suffered too and just, which is which uh to tie that in with the record is why i decided to cover a song on the record called the silence mm-hmm. of god which literally is the song that has meant more to me um in my spiritual journey, just because it's a song that it doesn't say everything's going to be okay. It doesn't like sugarcoat thing, It just basically says, you know, Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane and all of his friends were asleep and abandoned him basically. And then he died and was abandoned mm-hmm. and he gets it. He gets it. And we have lost Christopher, yeah. but it's okay.
1: Oh, what? No, I'll he's talk to still you. here we've we've lost you on my end. <laughs> like your video. i still got both of you <laughs> um dang yeah it well, says for, I, it says for I, me jason wisdom's video has been disabled due to internet quality issues their video is still recorded though on, still my,
0: on, on, on mine it says christopher adams video has been disabled due to internet quality issues yeah. <laughs> their video is still recorded so
1: we just have a bad connection somehow it's all good. We'll, we'll, uh,
0: My connection is awesome. Thank you very much.
1: <laughs> I have like almost gigabit internet.
0: <laughs> I don't know why it's so bad right now. Because you're in Canada. Canada.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just that extra distance it has to go.
0: <laughs> oh man. <laughs> but
1: uh, yeah, actually, I was curious. I hey, you're back to the album again today. Hey. Yeah. Yeah, you're <laughs> <laughs> um listening to the album again today i really picked up on like in the silence of god like it's just it is a cover song right
0: totally it's a originally written by a singer songwriter named andrew peterson who oh really cool.
1: i have heard that guy uh i know that name, name. <laughs> i've talked about him
0: yeah i uh He's great. i don't think i've He's listened also- to the original though He's also a super super good author, and I highly recommend his Wingfeather Saga books to anyone. If you like sort of like Narnia, Lord of the Rings, yeah, uh, with a little bit of humor.
1: I literally—it's funny now that you say that name. I'm like, oh, I know. Like, I just left my job at our local Christian bookstore, <laughs> and we've had those books come through, and I've seen his name multiple times on them. I just. I've always wanted to read them, but
0: they have Christian bookstores in Canada.
1: Yeah, we have. <laughs> they we have, have a Christianity left. <laughs> in Canada. <laughs> I,
0: I don't believe it for a second. I, don't believe I uh, it. yeah, I'm pretty sure all that was I banned got, in the 80s. <laughs> to my knowledge,
1: there's three left in British Columbia, and two of them are owned by the guy that I worked Like I was working at one of the two on the island here and then
0: there's one
1: kind of outside of Vancouver. But as far as I know, that's about it. You know, I uh,
0: uh, and far between people ask me sometimes when we're on tour or in podcast interviews, which so you may not you may not be prepared to ask me this question. So I'm going to ask it to myself, which is which is of all the places you've been in the world. What is the most beautiful place you've ever been? Or coolest place you've ever been. And I give, I always give the same answer, which is when in 2008, we spent seven weeks, um, in Gibson's BC off the coast of Vancouver, uh, recording with Devin Townsend. And it was the most epically beautiful place, like perfect temperature the whole time and mountains in the background and the ocean on the other side. It was just like, this is paradise, and it was other than the fact that it was very expensive to eat and (laughs) like we ate a lot we ate a lot of we ate a lot of craft dinner and uh and pierogies frozen pierogies nice
1: it's way to go i i've never actually been to gibson's but it's literally if i had my window open here i could almost see it from where i am i'm across the across the way on Vancouver Island. And Mm. it's basically just directly across the ocean there.
0: It's the most beautiful place I've ever been to. And you, you could just, you just don't care. It's outside your window and you won't go. You just won't even go. (laughs) Well, it costs a lot of
1: money to go there, man. You know how expensive it is to live here? Actually, it's not as expensive as where Sean lives, but fair. That's true. It's uh for for Canada it's he lives in southern Canada that's various <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh that's awesome though i've I've heard of a few uh like tooth and nail artists that have kind of gone up i guess maybe to that same studio or or is did you record there
0: yes or are you recorded. just hanging out i record okay. i recorded yeah. there for for seven weeks with devin Townsend uh
2: and that that was for dichotomy yes, okay canadian musical I, I, that, treasure
1: actually speaking of dichotomy just just while we're on this topic for a second my old one of my old youth pastors from 2008 uh-huh. maybe it was in 2009 that we were um, at this particular time he was the biggest die hard becoming the archetype fan and did he die? He showed me at youth group, he showed me a couple songs off of Dichotomy.
2: <laughs> I, absolutely... <laughs> I had water in my mouth, and I almost just spit it out over my computer. So, <laughs> yeah,
0: he, uh, he showed me I don't a think songs. I don't think Chris heard what I said, so I think we're good. No, sorry. What did you say? It? Oh,
2: <laughs> you're talking about you're, him. You're talking about like...
0: how he, he was the biggest fan. He, he was the biggest I was like, did he die? Oh. <laughs>
1: No, honestly, I haven't talked to him in so many years since then. But um,
0: that's I, what happens to becoming the archetype fans; they disappear, <laughs> and no one, no one ever sees them again.
1: <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! Um, but yeah, like he showed me a couple songs, and this was before I was into metal. I absolutely like I couldn't stand it then. And then yes. uh, a couple of years later, in high school, I heard the uh, "How Great Thou Art" cover. Like that you guys did, and it blew my mind at how good it was. And that that was kind of my introduction to to you and to your music.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: that was. Uh... And now I own the album all these years later.
0: Awesome. That's Chris. That's have... what, the best. The best way to be a fan is to do it after I'm out of the band, and it doesn't help me in any way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm that, hoping.
2: Honestly-
1: <laughs> Eventually, that'll that me happen with death band. therapy.
0: Yeah. Every
2: every band I find that I like, I'm like, oh, and they broke up last week.
0: Right. Like, There's every a meme time. about that. There's a meme <laughs> about that, right? Like the little old the guy yeah. old guy on his laptop. Oh, and they just broke uh, up. Yeah. <laughs> yep, totally. <laughs>
1: yeah. I do I own a physical copy of Voices though, so I have
2: like guess very awesome. small amount helped you out there. <laughs> For some <laughs> I got all three records on vinyl right behind me. Woo! So, there we That's go. Right. I got a death therapy hoodie in my closet right there. Sweet. And you're not wearing it?
0: No. I... <laughs> <laughs> Disappointing. Oh, Is it
1: weird when, like, if we were to wear death therapy merch, like just how it's like when bands wear their own merch on stage.
0: Do you ever do that? Mm i do weird? not wear i do not wear my own merch on stage because i can't afford to buy my own merch <laughs> from myself uh, i need to sell every last one of those jokers i'm not gonna sweat in that uh, yeah but yeah oh, no I, yeah I, it doesn't i don't we uh we toured with the showdown a time when i was in becoming the archetype and they all would rock all their own merch on stage and I think it's just an attitude thing. It's like it was just it was awesome when they did it, but I think if I do it, it just looks desperate. So. <laughs> oh man, it's rough out there. Mm.
2: Um, I yeah. I wanted to ask. I I told myself that I would limit my becoming the archetype questions to maybe one or two because. Mm-hmm you're in death therapy now and that's what right. that's your focus but i guess a good way to blend the two is can you take us through your metal journey how old were you when you got into metal what bands got you there and how did you uh get into becoming the archetype and then from there to you had Solomores, am i correct and then death therapy
0: mhm well if, okay if so Wikipedia yeah I'll... is right yeah <laughs> Uh, it's Wikipedia is the bane of my existence. Every time I apply for a job, I feel like they go Google search me and find my Wikipedia oh, man. And, I just, and, I and I don't get the job. So if anyone out there is hiring and they don't mind the fact that I'm crazy, heavy metal guy. But, um, uh, so I, I got into metal as an accident and really I got into music as an accident. Uh, I had a friend who played, who was the original drummer for becoming the archetype. He goes by the name duck like duck as in quack, quack duck, Mr. (laughs) Ducksworth, uh, mighty ducks, Brent Duckett is his name. And we met when we were like 14, 15 in high school and he had drum set in his house, a classic story of, uh, a guy, you know, who went over to his musical friend's house and I didn't know anything about music. And, um, my parents like music that's on the radio, but that was about all I'd ever experienced with music. My parents don't play any instruments and, um, or anything like that. So uh, eventually Brent got a guitar player that came over and they started playing guitar and then they got a singer. Uh, it wasn't me. And I was just the friend hanging out like while they played songs. And um, and then their singer quit. And I was like, well, I could be your singer. And um, so I became, yeah, and they were doing... Did you have any prior singing experience before this? Um, Other than singing in choir at school, which I only did because it was an easy elective class. um, uh, No, I didn't have any like screaming metal experience, but who does when they're 15 or 16 years old? And we played our very, very first uh, show and the song that they wanted to play, so the song that I learned was a song called skin like winter by zeo and we played it at a school talent show and scared the crap out of everyone <laughs> and did not win the talent show uh, yeah to show how old i am is there footage of that online i don't think so you know some interesting footage from the becoming the archetype days but i don't think that one is online. are you gonna you talk find- about the uh I've seen the wedding video when you guys played a wedding. We did play a wedding reception one time. Not a wedding, a wedding reception. Okay. There's a difference. And we all wore suits. Daniel wore wore like a purple suit. (laughs) It was pretty fun. (laughs) But but anyway, so I got like thrown in is what I'm trying to say. I got thrown into the fire. Prior to that, I was only listening to like, uh, you know, punk rock, maybe like MXPX and... um, P.O.D. was like one of the first heavy metal shows, heavy metal shows I went to It's P.O.D. And uh, yeah, so then from there I started getting into getting into Living Sacrifice, got into Extol, got into then I got into like Dream Theater and more techie kinds of bands and went through a phase like that. And uh, yeah, then I ended up with Becoming the Archetype. We did five, four or five whatever it was, albums together and then toured all over the world. Got to go to Africa on one of the last tours that we did, which was super cool. And um that was a good story. And then my wife was we were gonna have our first child, so I was like I'm not making any money here, so I better go make some money somewhere. <laughs> and uh quit becoming the archetype and twenty thirteen I did a project called Solomores, which was just Literally, some one of the guys who had been in Becoming the Archetype who lives in Pennsylvania sent me a bunch of songs and was like, hey, you want to do vocals on these? And so then I basically just like I had all these ideas sort of like pent up, I guess, and I didn't realize it. I was able to like write all the lyrics and come up with the concept and the artwork and the, everything in like a week. And I was like, OK, cool. And I went and recorded wow. and he was like, OK, only screaming on this record, only screaming And then I went into the studio because I had never done I had never done anything other than screaming. So that was a pretty safe bet in his part on his part. And so then I go into the studio and because there was like no pressure, because this was nobody had ever heard this band before. I was like, well, I should probably do some cool, some singing. So I did all kinds of like singing parts and like weird, like five part harmonies that sounds like Lord of the Rings. And like it's all kinds of weird stuff on that record. And I only tell you about that one, not because, I mean, it's a cool record, but because that sort of is the launching point for where I was like, you know, maybe I could do music still, and maybe I could try to branch out, and maybe I could have the guts to try to sing a little bit. And here we are, it's 2021, and I just put out my first record with Death Therapy that's mostly singing rather than screaming. So it's taken me... Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) that whole journey I just described (laughs) uh, to get up the guts to be like, well, what if I don't just go uh, into the microphone? Um, You know, what if I actually tried to like sing? I'm not saying I'm not saying that anybody who screams is not like able to sing. I'm saying for me personally, I mean, some of these guys out there are freaks like Ryan from Fit for a King is a he's a freak, man. He can do it. He can do it all like he can. Scream for an hour and a half and then sing for an hour. And it's just, it all sounds awesome. I, I've never been that guy. I got to kind of pick my poison, but uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So now it's 2021 and I've got like a million little projects I'm working on. Some of them mm-hmm. are screaming in metal and some of them aren't. And we'll see what happens.
2: I think that's a perfect segue to plug in your Patreon real quick for those who might be interested.
0: Totally. Uh for anyone who's still listening who hasn't uh turned it off. <laughs> yes,
2: thank you for listening this far.
0: <laughs> oh God, through all the technical difficulties and we see Chris is, analytics. Chris is gonna be mad at me because I'm talking about technical difficulties and he's gonna edit all the difficulties out. I
1: might not. I mean not. I I was just talking to Sean about how much time it takes to edit these things sometimes. <laughs> I might just leave it all as is.
0: Yeah. Uh but uh Yeah, so I started, I just started a Patreon. I mean, like, within the past month, started a Patreon because I realized that I needed to get over my fear of trying to, like, I always, the reason I didn't do a Patreon before is I was like, I just don't think I'm good enough. And I don't think people want more content from me so why i don't have a youtube channel so why i don't have a a tick mm-hmm. like i just i'm just a, i'm just the guy. Be, that would be a good place to go <laughs> yeah christian comedy
1: uh, with jason wisdom
0: i i've just i've just always been the guy like this is a little bit behind the curtain i've just always been the guy who's like i kind of want to work in the studio until that till it sounds the way i want it to sound and then like i'm more of a um I'm more of a painter than a performer, I guess, is the way, I don't know how else you would put mm. it. Like, I uh, I would rather, like, sit in my dark little closet and work on the piece that I'm working on until it's perfect and then let you hear it. And then, you know, I can go play the concert or whatever. But, um, so I was like, who who's going to want more stuff from me? I'm not, but uh, in 2020, I sort of got forced into a corner where, I, like, I didn't have anything else going on. So it was like, well, what if I just spend my working hours like nine to five working on music or writing or whatever so i wrote two books a children's book and a devotional book and i recorded a couple things i've actually got an album that i can't talk about right now but that i'm working on i've got a christmas ep that i just started announcing heavy breathing
2: (laughs) intensifies
0: I, I don't know. You you can allow yourself to believe it's whatever you want it to be, but it's probably not what you think. But my point is, I'm, I'm <laughs> it's just it's just a full <laughs> jazz album. It's just jazz odyssey part duh. But um, but I uh, my point is, I've got like a million things I'm working on, and I was like, I realized one day, I was like, well, what if I just trust that there are people out there who want to support this and want me to keep doing this rather than go deliver pizzas or whatever else. Um, And so, yeah, stepped out and started a Patreon so far. There's been an awesome group of like 36 people who have joined and I've been trying to post regular stuff there for them behind the scenes stuff, songs that I've never released, demo songs, um, you know, all kinds of stuff. And then I'm also going to just basically give people like if they're a patron, I'm just going to give them the music that I put out because to me, the music is, the music is the thing I'm doing. So anyway, yeah. Yeah. No, if awesome. anybody wants to, we'll, if anybody uh... wants to check that out, that was a long, a long pitch for it, <laughs> but I think it tells you a little bit more about me and what I'm doing. That's why I wanted to give you right. that pitch. Yeah. So
1: for sure. We'll, we'll have all the uh, links in the description down below on the video and sort of links in the show notes on streaming services that you can try mm-hmm. and find if you can.
2: <laughs> uh Real quick, I want to go back to, you were talking about um, your beginning in the scene. So you've been in the scene quite a while. You've uh, started in what, 2004, 2005? You kind of got into the Christian metal scene, right? Well, yeah, we
0: we got signed in 2004. Basically, 1999 is probably when I would say we started the band and got involved in playing shows. Okay. Going to Cornerstone and being involved in that whole scene.
2: That's awesome. So I guess I just want to ask, like, how have you seen the, the Christian metal scene change in that 20 odd years? Um, just in terms of, uh, I guess, the messages that the bands uh, that the bands write about the music, uh, how bands approach whether or not they're like a Christian band or not. How have you seen um, the Christian metal scene change and evolve?
0: This, I think this question is a trap. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) No, (laughs) uh, no, no, I I, I think it would be a trap for a lot of people. But actually, you know that this is something I don't mind talking about. So I um, exactly (laughs)
2: like
1: we planned it.
0: Yeah, we rehearsed all this earlier. Um, We didn't. We absolutely didn't. (laughs) But um, uh, yeah, so in like the early 2000s to mid 2000s, there was definitely a huge wave of like christian metal core and emo bands you know so many uh, legendary bands came out of that um came out of that time bands like norma jean and Underoath and Zao and you know wh- whoever you want to name demon hunter and hazily dying and whomever tons tons and tons of bands that dominated the scene for and still are dominating the scene in a lot of ways um and I think the reason was because there was like a almost like a unconscious agreement of, amongst churches around the country that, hey, we're going to support the young people that want to make music for Christ, even if it's a little bit noisy. And so they opened up their basements and bands like Under Oath and Norma Jean and Living Sacrifice and my band and other bands. We we would, you t- could almost do a whole U.S. tour just playing church basements and stuff. And there would be, tons and tons of people there it's crazy um it was just a thing it was a it was a time you know you go we'd go to cornerstone festival and there would be bands that literally were like cornerstone famous they would like nobody knew who they were but they would play for like five thousand people at cornerstone um i mean there's yeah it's crazy uh the way it was back then and so the the consequence of that is that a lot of bands sort of wore the christian title because it was Mm -hmm. beneficial you could instead of going and playing a bunch of clubs in your local town and bars and stuff and hoping that people thought you were cool um because there's not that's a hard thing to do with with like like metal has become more accepted now like it's 2021 and slipknot's been around for 20 years and they've been played on the radio now Right. And, and Spotify right. is a thing. It's exposed. It's exposed a lot of people to metal. But in like the early 2000s and even before that, to be like a death metal band with like screaming was even in the secular scene. That was super like niche, like, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of place for it. But all of a sudden, this Christian thing was happening and bands could like jump from zero to warp Tour. And they, you know and they had like no fans in the general market like in the secular market but they had like thousands and thousands of fans in the christian market and then they carried over so anyway fast forward to 2010 2012 whatever so now that scene that scene is like completely gone <laughs> i don't mean right. that like i don't mean i don't mean it's completely gone there are some people who would be like no i still have shows at my church you know or whatever but it became like <laughs> it became uh, it became almost like a uh, it became almost like a stigma. It was like, well, that's where the bands that can't really make it go play. And right. if you're good, if you're so I'll use Atlanta as an example. It's not that you, anybody will recognize the names <laughs> of these re, names of these venues or anything. It doesn't matter. But uh, in Atlanta, the Christian tours in the 2000s would come through and they'd play at a church. Uh, and the venue was called the Greenhouse. And all the big I saw P.O.D. there. I saw A 6, Norma Jean, Louis Sacker I saw all those bands there. And then the real bands, quote unquote, would play the Masquerade um, or somewhere like that. And it was like, so it was like a two level, you know, the, the Christian bands wanted to get to the bigger level, even though they were playing for just as many people. Anyway, it became like a stigma. So at this point in time, 2021, I mean, to call yourself a Christian band is pretty much to put yourself in a little box and say I'm only going to market myself only to Christians and uh, I'm really going to hope that Skillet takes us on tour and <laughs> I mean we're still waiting for the Skillet Death Therapy Tour <laughs> listen every every time I okay so every time we have played uh, a festival and Skillet has been there um, I, I I think like three or four times I've run into John Cooper from Skillet and every time i go up to him i'm like hey man we're playing over here on this other stage cuz of course we're not playing the same stage they're playing um we're playing over here on this little piece of plywood death that they put out on, on the field stage <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're playing on the little the little plywood stage over here and um <laughs> and and he'll be like oh what's the name of your band i'm like oh it's called death therapy and i'm telling you i'm not lying every time he goes oh well what do you guys sound like and i was, he's met me like four or five times and we've had this same discussion every time I say well some people say we sound like a heavy skillet and and uh, I can't tell if you guys are laughing or not because I think I'm frozen but, <laughs> uh, but uh, long story short now the last couple times I've said that he's he's been like oh yeah you said that last time didn't you
1: and, uh, <laughs> now he you.
0: so i'm oh, hoping man. that if ev- i'm hoping that eventually he'll be like hey you know this this guy who keeps saying he sound like heavy skill maybe he's just go check it out and he'll like it or something i don't know but my point show uh, him tension uh, yeah i'll show him that yeah. song <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's God, a becoming there's a becoming the archetype equivalent to that song by the way for people who know becoming the archetype's catalog there's a song on the last record I did with Becoming the Archetype called "Invisible Creature." No, "Cardiac Rebellion." Sorry, it's a two-part song, "Cardiac Rebellion," and the saxophone player from Five Iron Frenzy—not saxophone, trombone. Oh, wow! The one yeah. that goes like that. The one that goes like yeah. that. He. Uh, people listening on the podcast are like, "What uh, the video? <laughs> is, uh, the trombone? It goes. It goes." <laughs> Uh, The (laughs) the guy from Five Iron Frenzy, like my all time favorite band, uh, we were able to get him to come do uh, trombone solos and stuff, and it's it's like as like as a legit ska part in the song, Uh, like a dark metal ska part. So if you're not aware of that song, please go make fun of me and listen to it, Cardiac Rebellion, and then go follow it up with Tension. (laughs) And then wash it down with the video game music that I make for death therapy and <laughs> <laughs> oh, and your friend your friends will never want to ride in the car with you ever again. But there was a point to what I was saying before I got on John Cooper. Um the point is uh I think that there's become more opportunity for a band that has faith to just jump straight to the General market listeners, and I think that's really cool. I'm not salty about that at all. Um, I kind of have the label all over me because I came from that 2000s thing, and because uh, it's I'm one of the I don't know if, I don't know I don't know if I want to say I'm one of the few. I just don't know. Like I haven't I haven't given up my faith. I haven't become like a hey Christianity mm-hmm. sucks kind of person on social media like a lot of people mm-hmm. from that time have um I think Christianity is true so I'm a christian I don't do Christianity because I think it's cool i am a Christian because I think it's true <laughs> so it's and not. I've studied it <laughs> i've- i yeah i've studied I've studied it a lot uh i went to I went to seminary and got two worthless master's degrees in uh stuff <laughs> um <laughs> So, uh, yeah, just for funsies, I but yeah, I guess I guess my point is like. Um, nowadays, it doesn't benefit a band, so I see lots of arguments online. People like is is Slayer a Christian band because they have this one song that talks about God and stuff. <laughs> and like, I'm like, OK, no. So, and, you know, I'm being facetious, but like people argue about what bands are Christian bands and what bands aren't. And I'm just like right. this has got to be this has got to be the the oldest and lamest argument. And if the band doesn't make it really, really clear in twenty twenty one, then just they're not a Christian band. It doesn't mean they're bad people. It doesn't mean they're not Christian. I mean like mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna use mm-hmm. an example. I'm gonna use an example. Probably gonna stick my foot in doo doo somewhere with this example. But like <laughs> but like I uh, is is The Devil Wears Prada a Christian band? I, I don't think they no. would. I don't think they would say they are. And I don't mean that to say that they're not Christians. I don't mean that to say that their songs don't have good spiritual meanings. I just mean to say I'm pretty sure that they don't want that label. Okay, the end. Like I just again, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean you can't listen to them. Um, you know, it just means that when I see people on the internet who are like. I guess my thing is, I think it's the book of 1 Corinthians where Paul talks about, like, the people who are concerned about eating meat that's been sacrificed to idols. I think it's 1 Corinthians. I could be Mm -hmm. wrong. But uh, you know what I'm talking about. The idea is, to to me, it's like, if you really care about whether or not a band's a Christian, like, you're one of those people that only listens to Christian music. If you really care, then why not play it safe? You know? and only listen to bands that are explicitly christian why why try to horseshoe like or horseshoe try shoehorn not horseshoe <laughs> shoehorn i'm making all kinds of like stupid like hand gestures for the people who are listening on uh podcast <laughs> as i'm tra- like yeah as you try to shoe your horse you try to horn shoehorn bands into the christian category <laughs> who don't want to be there yeah it's true you've seen you you yeah. know what I'm talking about though how many times oh, have yeah. you seen people how many times have you seen people recently be like my favorite christian metal band is wage war and i'm like oh I mean, my wage, gosh. War. wage war is awesome they're si- <laughs> they're sick i like wage war but like why why are they your favorite christian band because you saw them on tour with august burn's red i you know i don't know so <laughs> they're not a christian band i I mean i don't i don't i don't care
1: yeah like i think i spend more time these days trying to convince people why a band isn't christian than like being the whole like oh like this is a christian band like like you were saying it should be if they want that title it should be obvious right because and let me a it's not popular but like it's not it it should be an honor to have like as a christian like yeah that actually tries to follow jesus that you know like it's it's an honor to have that title it's like like you should actually i don't know not necessarily like work for it but there should be something to show for it that you live by that title whereas So many people just say, Oh, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I went to church once, but like show by how you live.
0: That takes us back Uh, to the mature. That takes us back to the maturity discussion, you know, mm -hmm. which to me is like, imagine, okay, this is one thing I say to people. Imagine if I came up to you as a 20 something year old guy and you were an atheist, um, you're an atheist. And I came up to you as 22 years old. And I was like, man, I used to be an atheist. I grew up an atheist, but like when I was 18, I stopped being an atheist. Cause I think being an atheist is dumb. You'd be like, you'd be like, dude, you were 18. You don't know anything about anything. <laughs> but yet when, when people do this, when people do the same thing in reverse, they go, well, I grew up a Christian. I know everything about Christianity. And when I was 18, I decided it's dumb. It's like, oh, okay. Well, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you know everything about Christianity. It's like they're they're like ninety something year old dudes like who just live in monasteries who don't know everything about you know so ah, whatever.
1: Mm -hmm. No, yeah, definitely. I, (laughs) it's, yeah, it's something like that. You know, takes a lifetime to really learn. Like we'll never even know everything about god like by the time yeah. we die
0: yeah i do want to make it clear i'm not trying to say that we should like be picky about what bands we listen to i'm not trying to say that we should be like mm-hmm. these bands are christian because they drink beer or something like i'm not that guy okay <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what i'm trying to say is if you are the person who cares then quit doing this dumb game is all I'm trying to say. That's all. It's literally all I'm saying. I made this comment at one point and it went viral or whatever you want to call it. And people were like, yeah, yeah, that's right. He is only striper's question, you know, or something. And, (laughs) And I'm just like, no, it's not what I'm trying to say at all. I'm just, okay. I quit, you know, sorry. I interrupted you. It's all good.
1: I lost my train of thought on what I was saying, anyway. So
0: mm. maybe I should take over this podcast.
2: Maybe, yeah, you can start asking the questions.
0: <laughs> maybe I should start interviewing you, Canadian. This this happens a lot, actually. This does. Yeah, <laughs> Jeremy
2: took over our interview. Meadows took over our interview.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. That's the way it should be. are you saying we should take over death therapy? No, 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 <laughs> no. I'm saying you know what I'm saying. I'm saying it's great if, if you if you have a if you're having a good discussion, then everybody is sort of yeah leading, exactly. leading the discussion. Uh, mm-hmm. There's uh, question and answer times with bands can be so so lame sometimes because it can be like. It could just be like, so I heard that your favorite food is burritos. Is that true? And it's like, the band guy, the band guy's like, yeah, I like burritos. <laughs> and that's the interview. It's that's so awkward. It's much better when we can just talk and hang out. And yeah,
2: start. oh yeah. I guess i I want to ask something. If, if you answer 100% honestly, it might get you in trouble. So feel free to answer more politically correct, I guess. And or I if
1: it's really bad. If it's really bad, we can edit
2: it, yes. <laughs> um, since you've been in the scene um, to see it grow to what it was and to see what it is now and that whole transition... Mm-hmm. i assume you've probably come in contact with a lot of the bands who have fallen away from the faith i'm not going to mention names we all know who they are i don't need a name yeah them. can you tell us all the bands that aren't <laughs> and can you tell us the bands that are fake currently <laughs> no. oh yeah yeah, I got <laughs> yeah oh man no um what i want to ask is it, if you're like that involved in the scene and you've played shows with these guys or you've toured with them, is it shocking to you anytime another band declares they're not a Christian anymore? Are you shocked by it or are you no. just like, Oh yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I can totally tell by the way they acted behind stage
0: or just whatever like that. It doesn't shock me uh, because it's not any, it's not really any different than what's happening in the wider demographic of the culture in general i most of the people that i hung out with when i was in my teens and 20s in youth group are not christians anymore um True. St- statistically that's the trend so it, i think with bands it becomes like if i were to say how many if like if i knew somebody who was an entrepreneur and they had a bunch of entrepreneur friends and i said well how many of your f- entrepreneur buddies have maintained their super, super strong Christian faith. I'm sure the answer's really, really low. And being in a band is is like being an entrepreneur, but like under a microscope because you're not just running a business, you're running a business that's like about your personality and getting people to like your band. You know what I mean? It's like being mm-hmm. in an entertain being in the entertainment world is like, you have to make decisions quickly uh about that kind of stuff do i want to say something that will make these people not like me (laughs) um you know and then some people do some people are like oh well i'm just gonna pick this you know there's whole industries now that are like the whole country and the whole culture is splitting into like there's like the conservative talking heads and then there's like the left-wing talking heads and like people just pick which ones they want to support and uh so what i'm saying is it doesn't surprise me when i see people pick a side um and they pick the side that's maybe a little less i don't know traditional or christian or whatever you want to call it because it's not the popular thing um so yeah i mean it doesn't surprise me um it does it does the thing that surprises me is when i meet someone that we toured with or whatever and i see that they you know they're a strong christian person like um I saw that Symphony in Peril is apparently doing some stuff, uh, or, or teasing some mm-hmm. stuff, and that's mm-hmm. that's cool. And like, I think Sean has remained a pretty strong. I think he's a pastor. Uh, yeah, like that's that's pretty cool um, to me. That's surprising. Um, and I don't mean it to say that like all those other people are dumb or they're they're lame or whatever because they like everybody's on their own journey. You know, whatever the the catchphrase is that we got to use, but like to make it sound okay. Our faith but, the journey. Yeah, everybody's on a journey. <laughs> We're all figuring it out. Um, but I, I mean, I guess, like I said, I'm a Christian because I'm convinced it's true. And so if I wasn't convinced it's true, I probably wouldn't be. So at that point, I wouldn't blame someone who uh, I would just say that the thing that bums me out is. When people who never really took their faith seriously. Sort of rode the wave of success. And then as soon as it became cool to dump Christianity and do the whole deconstruction thing or whatever you want to call it, like, then they were like, oh, yeah, Christianity sucks. You know, it's like, oh, well, I knew you 15 years ago and that you didn't want to be considered a Christian or a Christian band, but you just did it to get paychecks. Like, that was one of the controversies with Tim Lambesis, you know, his whole when he went to prison, I think he gave an interview to somebody saying that like 80% of the bands that say they're Christians aren't. And a bunch of people were like, Whoa, is that true? And I'm like, I don't know if it's 80%, but I mean, wh- why would he make that up? Like, mm-hmm. he's just telling you from his own experience, like, you know, back in the day, that was, you know, most of the records got sold at the Christian bookstores, you know, so, mm-hmm. which apparently are still a thing in Canada. But, you guys, you guys but, still have uh, block, Blockbuster? No,
1: uh, we actually we that that got removed and replaced by a place called, at least the one across the road from me here that used to be a Blockbuster. It's now Bulk Barn, which is where you go buy like bulk candies and nuts and stuff. It's so weird seeing that, but Bul- bulk bulk the-
0: Bulk Barn. <laughs> bulk are you sure that? Are you sure that's? Are <laughs> you not- Are you sure that's not like a local (laughs) gym? gym. The bulk bar. No, no, um Let's go the bulk bar, eh? Christian bookstore.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The 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 Christian bookstore thing though. We don't really sell much music except for like the top like worship albums that are coming out or Christmas CDs now that it's November. They just put out all the Christmas stuff. (laughs) But there's a we had a hard rock section. I think in the last two years that I worked, I worked there just over two years. I probably actually convinced somebody like sold maybe five albums from
0: our rock section. Woo! You know the the become <laughs> and the it was archetype, hard, man. <laughs> the become the archetype records uh, I can remember had to have had to have stickers on them for yeah. alternate alternate. Thank covers. you for buying Christian music. <laughs> No, <laughs> that they, they still have some of those stickers on them. It was like it was it was it covered up the scary image of the angels fighting the demons or the <laughs> severed head or whatever. Demon hunter had those too. I can remember back in the day because it has a skull with a... yeah, spooky yeah. demon hunter. They're just they're so scary, so scary. <laughs> hmm. Um, I wanted to
2: ask. Um. You've probably been judged quite a bit in the. Uh, in just the whole Christian scene. I mean, you're from the South. You probably have a lot of older folks who don't understand metal judge you. Mm. Do you have like just a hilarious story of like the worst argument someone has ever made for why like metal is scary or why metal can't honor or glorify God?
0: No, I mean, I agree with all those things you just said. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh yeah, no. uh. I can remember one time, this was when Becoming Archetype was not called, we were called something else, and we uh, we were just getting started, and we did a, one of our first tours in like 1999 ish. We drove all the way up to Virginia somewhere. I think we might have even driven to, for some reason in my mind, it's Pennsylvania. We played some shows in Pennsylvania. We drove, or in Virginia, we drove to Pennsylvania to play a show in a church parking lot, and we started to play, and the pastor came running out of the building. And started screaming, No, 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 no. Not this. No, no, not here, no. And turned off the PA system and we we drove home. So <laughs> it's uh you know, and you can have those arguments, Well, look at the lyrics, man, and like you're not gonna you're not gonna persuade anybody with that. I mean I uh, I've told people I persuaded
1: my grandma back in the <laughs>
0: yeah yeah well it's it's probably not probably not if you actually forced her to listen to it regularly um i don't know maybe you did maybe grandma was super into it
1: my i showed my grandma uh we we went on a walk like our family went on a walk and i had earbuds and she was like oh what are you listening to and i'm like i I don't know if i want to show you this (laughs) i'm like you might not like it and then but it was a uh, breaker by four Today. That whole album, we listened to the whole album, and she's like, "I can understand what he's saying. This is really good." Hey, there you go. No way. Well, yeah.
0: Grandma is grandma. supposed to do it regularly. Grandma for the win, right? Um, well, I guess what I'm saying is so. So oddly enough, oddly enough, this is my story, because you asked for a cool story, and this is this is not necessarily funny, mm-hmm. but. I mentioned that we recorded with Devin Townsend, uh, in, in Gibson's BC and Devin's not a Christian. He, uh, traditionally was known for being pretty much the opposite, like of a Christian, just sex and drugs and rock and roll and to the max. Like that was his thing. Mm. Um, chaos was his life. Um, when we met him, he, uh, he had more or less recently stopped all of that he basically had stopped playing in his his band strapping young lad which is like a crazy chaotic metal band and he stopped drinking and he had stopped doing drugs and cut off his long crazy dreadlocks that he had and so then we show up this christian man from the bible belt and he was very he was very concerned he was like i Not concerned that we were dumb or we were lame or we were like, he was concerned. Get this. He was concerned because he didn't understand. uh, My video cut out for a second. That was weird. Oh, that's all good. (laughs) Uh, He was concerned that we were making spiritually angry sounding music with Christian lyrics. And he didn't understand how that those two things could go together. Wow. And I'm telling you, he and so he's very like into like new agey stuff. So he was he was basically like, well, it's like he's got this like angry energy. But then you're trying to say it's got these like positive Christian lyrics. I don't that doesn't make any sense to me. And. We had a lot of talks about that kind of stuff. And uh, at the end of the day, I, I've I've kind of come to understand I could be exaggerating this a little bit but i'm pretty sure that i've got this directly from folks around him and from things i've heard him say he came to sort of a position where he he makes heavy music again now and he has for like 10 years um after that and he it's if you listen to it it's much more positive Mm -hmm. the lyrics are more positive the it's not christian uh, but it's much more like uplifting sounding. It's much more hopeful. It's probably
1: Christian to some people.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, probably Christian. Eh, I don't know. He, some- he, he talked about God in one of the songs. <laughs> yeah, well, but yeah, he has a song called Genesis on his new record. It's just really, really cool. um, That's
2: a book of the Bible.
0: <laughs> I, Devin, I love Devin. He's so cool. But my point is, what did I take? what do I take away from that? Here's what I take away from that. I think Devin was slightly mistaken and he realized that, but I think he's also slightly correct. And that is to say that heavy metal music or any extreme art form has the potential to sort of push people to a dangerous place mentally or psychologically or whatever. Um, and I know there's been all kinds of studies that show that heavy music actually calms people down and, and it does, it does. Like, I'm not trying to say that, like, if you listen to heavy music, you're a bad person. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, It's true, but that's not what I'm saying. Um, But what I'm trying to say is that uh, (laughs) what I'm trying to say is that there probably are some people who like to them metal is just like, it's too extreme. It's too crazy. And, I'm not trying to convince them to be okay with it. Like, I don't... If it's not for them, it's not for them, is what I'm trying to say. You know? Um, I don't listen to what they listen to, probably. But uh, I guess what I'm saying is... Mm -hmm. I don't think everybody... Mm -hmm. I I, I don't think everybody's grandma has to listen to For Today. (laughs) If that makes sense. It's okay if grandmas think For Today is weird. Because I'm going to think... Probably whatever my kids are listening to in 30 years, I'm going to think is super weird. So,
2: Probably. <laughs>
0: Dude, the stuff
1: the kids are listening to these days. Oh,
0: oof. Did you lose my video again? Because I lost Christopher's video again, which makes me think that he lost I lost mine.
2: Chris and Jason. <laughs> can you guys hear me? Yeah, we can hear you, Chris. Okay.
0: I yeah, can't no, hear it's... Chris, no.
1: Oh, no? you can't?
0: I cannot, but that's actually. Oh, better. You're back. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I, he can hear I, you. <laughs> I can see him too. Listen, listen. I'm look, I, I, if I'm talking over you, Chris. I'm sorry, but that's par for the course. Everybody who's heard this has realized I talk over you. Um, but uh, <laughs> I'm I I really hope your editing skills are awesome because this is this has been wild, man. This is a wild ride. I don't have you but it's okay buddy. Dang it. <laughs> <What>? Sorry, eh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, he's dying right now. Why? Okay. Why
0: can't oh. he come back? Uh that's pro- <laughs> we probably should wrap it up, I guess. Yes, we are going to wrap it up. Um so, I guess Sean if you want to do the wrap up yes, I
1: can't.
2: do can the <laughs> I guess I got to do the wrap up.
1: Uh, but I want to say goodbye to him. Uh, but yes. then we'll We'll pause it. We'll stop Chris it. Chris we'll said he wants to say goodbye
0: up. to you. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, that's, re- that's really sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I can't see you and I can't hear you. And my video says it's 70% uploaded. I don't know if that's a bad yeah. oh, sign.
2: Yikes. Uh, it's, yeah, it's fine. It'll upload. Sign, don't worry. It'll. But That's um, why we have to stop I was, it. I was gonna, I'm going to turn the internet off as so soon as the server. <laughs> no, I know. I'm trying to tell you to do it. <laughs> chris is talking to talking as if you can hear him
0: <laughs> i got nothing buddy oh man if the, if this all makes it into this uh oh, it's gonna be hilarious i don't know that it's as funny for other people as you think it is
2: uh, probably I think, not
0: i think we're laughing be-
2: all right well thank you so much for uh, coming on jason it's been an awesome conversation we appreciate your time
0: thank you for having me
2: <laughs> we lost you jason <laughs> No, I have him still. I, you still have Jason. I
0: said, thank you for having me. <laughs> okay. I hear and I you even that. heard it echo. I heard it on Christopher's side. I heard myself say, thank you. Okay. I, I hear you now. I just lost your video. Go. I'm going to say, a, I'm going to say <laughs> a bad word.
2: <laughs> All right, Chris, you do it. Okay. Well,
1: thank you so much for joining us, Jason. It was a pleasure and honor to have you on our show and to meet you. Um, so thank you so much for spending
0: your time tonight oh my goodness I cannot talk like this okay 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 here we go Jason thank you so much for joining us tonight we really appreciate your time on the podcast you've been a great guest Kingdom Core X Kingdom Core X for life
2: cut that's it that's
1: the ending All right, well, I hope you guys had as many laughs as we did. That was an insanely hilarious and also frustrating episode to make with all those little technical hiccups throughout. Uh, We just want to give a special thank you to our core givers on Patreon. Jonathan Lyman had to try and get that one right this time. Hopefully I did, buddy. Uh, As well as my brother Peter from Christian Metal Source. Thank you guys for being our core givers ten dollars or more a month all your guys' help is so appreciated in what you guys do for the podcast all right stay tuned we will be back for some more at some point soon see you then